And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Well, for those of you who were not here Christmas Day, I preached probably my shortest sermon I've ever preached, so you missed a Christmas miracle. But in keeping with that, I promise you that this will be the shortest sermon that I've preached thus far this year. Yeah, there we go. We got a couple that got that one. <laughs> Probably not. We're going through a chapter of Revelation. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to the back of the book. Uh, we're in Revelation chapter 22. So, we began this the week before Christmas talking about creation and the fall. Last week, we looked at uh, uh, the redemption and the coming of the Son of Man. And this week we are going to talk about restoration, the four, the four main topics of the gospel. If anybody asks you, how, how do I share the gospel, it is this. You tell them that, that in, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything to be perfect, right? And this is what Dave talked about it. Everything was perfect. There was no sin, right? Adam and Eve came along and they were in the garden. They were sinless. And then we have Genesis chapter 3, right? What's wrong with this world? The, the thing that is wrong is sin. And we saw in Genesis 3 that, that Eve and Adam both willingly took upon themselves the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the one fruit that they were told they were not allowed to eat, and they ate of it. And because of that, sin entered into not just humanity, but into all of creation. It, it has distorted everything, right? And so when you look at everything going on in this world today, and you see, right, Russia invading the Ukraine, right? We see China and Taiwan going at it. We see families separating. We see divorce rates high. We see all the filth on social media, right? And we look and we say, what's wrong with this world? What's wrong with this world? world is sin. But even in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we see that in the midst of sin entering into humanity, entering into the created order, that God promises one who will come and will crush the head of the serpent. And that was the man Christ Jesus, or that is the man Christ Jesus. We looked at this last week in Luke 2, the coming of the Son of Man, and how uh, the shepherds and everybody kind of understood that something was grand was going on, that this king has finally come the one that we look throughout the entire Old Testament waiting for has finally come in Luke chapter 2. And he's come to redeem a sinful humanity. He dies upon the cross and three days later rises from the grave, thus defeating death and defeating sin. And he calls us to take upon, uh, to, to repent and to take upon ourselves the redemption that he has made in his, in his resurrection. But that's not the end of the story. And a lot of times that's where we end, but we, we fail to talk about how eventually this created order will be restored, that sin will be vanquished, and that Jesus will reign forevermore. And I don't think there's a, a better chapter than Revelation chapter 22 to one, show what this created order is, go, is, is to look like, and then two, to encourage us. So I was talking with a few people this week, right? We were talking, I mentioned that we we're in the book of Revelation, and you can imagine where the conversations probably started out. Um, and that was, well, what's your view of the book of Revelation, right? And so normally I call these like uh, first semester Bible questions, right? First semester Bible college questions. 
verses, right? These are the ones you talk about, like predestination versus free will, right? What's your view of the book of Revelation? And then you debate, and by the time you get to second semester, you're already tired of those questions, right? Um, and, and so a lot of times when we come here to, uh, to Revelation, we focus on, right, how do you think the millennium will be, you know, and all, all this other stuff, but we can't forget that the purpose of the book of the Revelation was to encourage the believers in seven churches that sin will be vanquished and that Jesus will reign forevermore. While we get down, bogged down in these arguments, we cannot escape this fact. This is a book of encouragement for believers. And we're talking about during a time in which persecution was great. John writes these letters at the direction of God and says, and is told to send these to seven churches who are experiencing persecution. And it's and it basically the whole book is, listen, sin is going to get worse. It's going to get worse. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be war. There's going to be rumors of war. And yet, at the end we see that sin will go away and that King Jesus will reign forever and that everything will be at peace. Everything that you're going through right now will eventually lead to the downfall of sin and the downfall of Satan. And Jesus, the one who brings us redemption, the one who had, who had been promised from Genesis chapter 3 to restore the created order, will do just that. This is a book of encouragement. And when we take our central focus away of this idea that this is a book of encouragement for us to continue, even in the midst of when sin seems to be reigning supreme, when it looks like our views take us away from this central fact, we are driven by something other than Scripture. Perhaps our own intellect. I know that's my main thing whenever I look at a passage and I read it incorrectly. It's mainly because I think that I know more than what Scripture is saying. But we must not forget this fact, that this is a book of encouragement. And so today, we're going to be looking at this fact here. So the main idea today is going to be this, that we must remember that when we live, when we work, when we share the gospel... That sin will be vanquished and that Christ will reign forevermore. And so uh, there are four points in the sermon. Hopefully we'll go through those quick for you because I know black eyed peas are waiting at the home. Uh, that's right. My granny's already called me, let me know that they're waiting for me. So uh, I'm a Baptist. I'm going to go eat. Uh, so uh, let us begin in the first five verses. So uh, the garden is restored. So it's quite interesting here, as we read earlier, that here in Genesis 22, the last chapter of the, of the Bible, we have a picture that's similar to the first and second chapters of Scripture. Right In Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God creates a garden, a place for man to inhabit. And here at the end of the book, we see that there is indeed a garden that man, and not just man, but men, multiple are inhabiting. Right, We see in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 that we have Adam and Eve, the only two created people. Right, It isn't until after the downfall of man that we start seeing that, that, uh, that command in Genesis 1.27 of be fruitful and multiplying, right? that we start seeing that being fulfilled. And yet now we see in Genesis 22 that that command has been fulfilled. And by the way, this is after 21 in which the people who are not found in the book 
of life are cast into the fire, right? And these, these are all believers. These are all believers coming together and living this restored order, right? They are with God. They are, they are dwelling with God. They are worshiping before God himself, before God and the Lamb. They are sitting here in this perfect restored order. We see that there is, as John says, there is no need for a lamp. Because the sun emanates life throughout. Now that's an interesting motif that John has throughout all of his books is, is this light and darkness, right? And we even use this today. This is an, a, an old Greek philosophical tool to kind of illustrate what is true and what is false. And we see here that all that emanates from the sun, from Christ himself who is reigning forevermore, is nothing but light and is nothing but truth. Finally... We do not have to deal with sin. Finally, we don't have to deal with thorns and thickets. Finally, we don't have to deal with our own sin. The created order has been restored just as God says in Genesis chapter 3. Now, I've got some photos here that one of, my things, one of the things I love to do, uh, right? We have this garden uh, motif going on. We have this garden that's being described, right? This is a, this is a picture kind of, this is kind of calms you, right? You hear about the sea rushing, right? And, 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 or the waters rushing, right? The rivers, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's very calm. It's very much like when the CLC was being flooded. We're sitting out of the parking lot you just heard this this water trickling now this calm water and you're like oh man this is very nice right here but i know back over that way it's not so much right but but i got a drone last christmas as the lahan clan knows um i got a drone last christmas and uh uh i've been going around flying it around places and I've, I, it's really become a time of relaxation for me i love flying it over and just kind of seeing an aerial view it's it's a way for me just to calm this is mash of sands that you see right above you i, I was sitting at the, uh, the the boat ramp and just flying it uh, above uh, over Oquatney, uh Bay and, and just kind of looking at Masha Sands and, and I, I really enjoy just kind of flying around. Uh, the next one, if I'm not mistaken, is yeah this is uh, this is actually looking at Panacea uh, o- over the marsh. The, not not the protected area, Terry. It's okay. I made sure to not fly in the protected area. Um, actually, I think that one is the protected area, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, on this side of uh, or on the panacea side of bottoms road uh just looking back over the bay you can see uh this little white building on the left that's the marina uh the woolly park is right there in the center uh and and caught that picture there i have another one uh this is actually uh fh 13 there's about a stretch it's about four miles it's just straight and this was along that i was testing to see how far i could get away uh, get the drone away from me before it would start coming back and uh and i'll be honest with you every time i go out and, and do these it, it's there's it's just peaceful there's there's no there's no one around right it's it's it, you don't hear the hustle and bustle of of of, of life like here in crawfordville right you, you, it's just it's, you hear the breeze right you see birds it, it's just very calm and peaceful and that's exactly the picture that we're getting here in genesis or it could be genesis i'm gonna say that a couple times revelation chapter 22 verses 1 through 5 the chaos that we found throughout the entirety of the book of revelation right of wars of slaughter right of death and destruction now we see that the garden has been restored that sin is no longer around that peace has finally come you see this jesus that gives us life 
is also the one that's going to restore everything. He is that supreme. Everything that was created through him will be restored in the way it was supposed to be. The chaos of a sinful life has turned into the gentleness of holiness. We see that we will commune with God just as our father and mother Adam and Eve did. Darkness will have no place to reign. And we will reign alongside God forevermore. Praise God for that picture. That picture should, should look, we should look at that and say, this is all worth it. This is all worth it, right? You're, you're building a house, right? You're going through, you're tearing down trees, right? You're, you're putting up foundations, right? You're putting up uh, uh, walls, and then eventually you're done. And what do you say? This is our moment. Everything that we're doing is worth it. Why? Because we will get to rest. We will have peace. And so you might be saying in here, how do we know that this indeed will happen? Right? We look at this world today, and let's just put it this way. This world looks like it's going more to hell than it does look going like it's going to heaven. Am I right? I mean, I don't know if we saw this, but Florida was not in the playoffs yesterday. I mean, this is terrible, right? It just seems that everything is bad. And, and, and so we look at that and we say, how is this going to happen? How is this trustworthy? Well, that's the second point. John talks about how this word of promise is indeed trustworthy. Why? Because the Lamb says in verse 6, right, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angels to show his servants what must soon take place. We know this is true because Jesus himself directed this word to be given to John. Right? If there is anybody who is trustworthy, it is Jesus himself. And then we also see in verse 8, right? He says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. If we can't trust John, right, the beloved disciple, the one who was beside Jesus, even at the end, who else could we trust? Right? John here giving an eyewitness statement saying, I heard this. Jesus gave this word to me to give out to the churches. And, and notice too in verse 10, right? We see where he says, Do not seal up these words of prophecy, but instead, the time is near. Let them go out to these seven churches, right? We see that this is not just a word that is meant to be held close and to be guarded, but instead this is a word that is to be spread and disseminated around the, the at least the seven churches in those areas. And then now, as we see, we are not in the modern-day Turkey, right? We are in North America. This word has gone forth. We see that this is a word that is meant to be shared. Why? Because it brings us encouragement. It lets us know that this gospel that we go into this world to tell, that this gospel is worth it. That it's not depending on whether or not I finish this, whether or not the gospel is going to succeed. The gospel will succeed even if I fail. And there's, so there's something to be said about that, right? We, we, a lot of times when we come to sharing the gospel, we restrain ourselves because we're worried that we'll do more damage than good, right? Uh, I had someone say to me one time, I, I don't have the right words. 
Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, none of us have the right words. And the reason is, is because we, me, you, we do not bring conviction upon people. We can tell the gospel story. We can tell the truth. But a person being saved is not dependent on me and you and the words that we have to say. It is dependent on a holy God who comes and reveals himself and reveals the need of salvation because of that person's sin. That is where salvation takes place. It's not because I have the best words, right? It's not like Donald Trump, I have the best words. That's not what we're talking about here. Instead, what we see is that it is a holy God who reveals himself to mankind. And then based off that, that person comes to faith. And so when it comes to sharing the gospel, let me go ahead and encourage you to share the gospel. Why? Well, one, you're commanded to, right? It's kind of like your parents telling you to eat vegetables, right? I'm going to tell you, you need to do this for one of two reasons, right? One, it's good for you. Two, I'm telling you to do it, right? One, we are commanded to share the gospel by our Lord, by King Jesus, who here reigns forevermore. We are given a direct command. So yes, share the gospel in this new year of 2023. Let this be a year in which we at First Baptist Crawfordville share the gospel to a lost and dying Crawfordville, to a lost and dying Color County, to a lost and dying Florida, to a lost and dying United States of America, and a lost and dying world. Let this be the year in which we do not fear what might come upon us. We've already been flooded. What else could happen? Let us not fear what others think about us, but instead let us take courage and let us take hope in this word that is trustworthy and true. I see Emery has already started in that. She's already beaten y'all to the, uh, the promise there. But let us make sure to do one thing, and that is to tell the gospel in all parts. Let's not leave anything out. We see in, in verse 18, I know Emery, we've got to tell the whole thing, not just the favorite parts that you might have. We see in verse 18, he, he, John gives a warning. He says, if anyone who hears the words of this prophecy, if they add to them, God will add the plagues. And if anyone takes away the words of this prophecy, God will take away his share. But let us make sure to tell the gospel in a whole, not, and not dissect it and, and leave out parts that perhaps society might not like. And let's face it, in this world that we're living today, the gospel is offensive Right? The gospel is offensive. You look at scripture and you see, as we've been looking through Romans, right? Romans chapter 1, we see that the way that people who live without the word, right, is wrong. And yet in chapter 2, we also see that the people who, who legalize the word and try to add to it, right, they're also wrong. The gospel is offensive. It tells us that we are wrong and that we must follow Jesus. That's it. That's what it tells us, but let's face it. We don't like to follow other people, do we? Right? We're Americans. We like to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Right? We like, to, we like the, uh, the stories of men and women who come from nothing and, and make themselves into something. But let me tell you this. You cannot make yourself into being a saved person. You cannot work yourself into salvation. Salvation is only a work that can be done by God himself. 
through the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There is no way for you to be able to get to heaven on your own. You must submit. Let us as First Baptists submit to this gospel and, and promise to tell it as a, as a whole and not take away the parts that some might deem to be not 2023. Let us tell it in whole because that is what brings salvation. The gospel brings salvation. Number three, let us continue in gospel living. We see this, uh, we see a couple verses early on, but we see this a lot during verses 11 through 17. As a matter of fact, I'm, we're getting short on time. I want to focus on verse 14. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to live the tree of life. They may enter the city by its gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually moral and moral and, and the idolaters and so on and so forth. But notice what he says. He says, Blessed are those who wash. This, this word wash here is not just a, 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 like, you know, when you say, you know, you go to sleep, right? We, we try to get Thorne to shower and, and, and bathe, you know, every night because, you know, he's a boy and he stinks. And so, uh, especially after the running you do, I don't know if you see the Indianapolis 500 that starts around here after the service. Um, but the boy runs and, and we ask him, we say, hey, have you washed today? And he says, yes, you know, right? Even when he doesn't, you know, the tub's dry and you can tell the towel's dry. It's like, have you washed? Yes, right? And we, we and based off that thing is whether or not he's done well. But this term wash here in the Greek is actually what's called a, a present tense verb. What this means is, is it, it, it started and it continues. And so when he's saying here, blessed are those who, who wash their robes, this isn't necessarily just thank you for your blessed are those who, who washed it that one time, threw it in the washing machine right now it's come out and it's good to go this is a continuing verb in other words they've washed it and they're continuing to wash it right and so when we talk about what does it mean to continue to wash right we're talking about continuing to live out gospel life right we're living according to what the gospel says right we're confessing sin and continuing to confess sin to one another right as hebrews tells us to do we're continuing to encourage one another to love and good works as as hebrews says right we're continuing to look at books like as we're going through romans right now right and continuing to make sure that that our views of scripture align with what scripture has to say and not just what we think right we continue in this life of washing we are continually trying to clean ourselves because we are sinful humanity we continue in this life together so we continue in gospel living and then finally the last bit and probably the my most favorite point in this whole whole chapter is come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Now, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, I have gray hair now, so I feel like I identify with most everybody in this room. Uh, um, and especially among the crowd over here, they, they call me old man. Um, and I'll be honest with you, when I was a teenager, I had a hard time understanding this, right? This idea of come Lord Jesus. Right, because, I mean, whenever I was a teenager, especially, you know, 18, 19, I looked down and I was like, I have my whole life ahead of me. Right, I, I, I want to get married. I want to have kids, which, by the way, we're doing great on. <laughs> Help us with the nursery. Um, we got more coming. Right, uh, you know, you, you look at, especially being young, you look at life and you say, I've got so much 
that I'm ready to live for. And we look at this, and we see this, it says, come Lord Jesus, and now I look on this as, uh, more fondly, and I have to ask the question, what has changed? I think as I've grown older, I've, I've understood even more the depths of my own depravity, the depths of my own sin. I look at this world, and perhaps back in 07, 08, when, or 07 when I graduated, when I looked at when I graduated, the world wasn't as, or I didn't see the world in, in its, its true nature, right? It was, it was more optimistic, and now, you know, uh, some years later, I look at it and I see how wars and rumors of war continue to come up. I see how sin, even not just sin as, as far as a general thing, but I see sin within my own family, within, within myself, my own desires to, to run away from God. I continue to struggle with those, right? I, I see all of that. I, I look and I, and I see this world, and I, I look at this world, and I look at the first part of this chapter, the, the garden restored, the perfect garden where you know, the, we are eating of the tree of life. No longer is it guarded as it was in chapter 3, but now we see that the people are, are eating of it and are being sustained from it. I look and I see there is no more sin. There's nothing to cry about no more. That death and destruction are gone. That darkness has no place. And I look at that now and I sit there and I say, yes, that is what this world is supposed to be like. I shouldn't have to fear uh, what's going to happen to my children. I mean, I don't know if you know, but like the new thing now is they came out with these Apple AirTags and I have one on my son because I don't know what's going to happen to him. Because this world is so full of sin, I don't know. And I look at that and I say, that should not be how it is. And yet it is. So I sit there and I look at what this restored order, this, this created order coming back, I look at it and I say, yes, come Lord Jesus. Come, get rid of sin. Get rid of death, get rid of destruction. Let me worship alongside fellow believers, not just the ones who are alive now. Let me worship beside my father-in-law. Let me worship alongside my uncles and my great-grandmother who've gone before. Let me worship beside those children who did not have the opportunity of life. Let me worship alongside those who have gone. And God, let me worship alongside those who are coming. We look at this chapter and we should be encouraged that this will happen. This is not a utopia, an idealized idea that if we could just work to this, this is coming because he who proclaimed it is trustworthy and is true. Let us take courage to continue to share the gospel that God initially created this world to be good. And yet sin, at its first opportunity probably, entered in. And that even in that moment, God prepared for a way for the sin to be vanquished. And that he promised that there would be one who would come crush the head of the serpent. We spend the entire Old Testament, right, looking. Who is it going to be? 
We see men rise up like Joseph, who, who looks like he lives a perfect life, but he does what? He dies. We see Moses, uh, a murderer, come up, we say, can't be him. We see David come, and we see David living out what seems to be a gospel-centered life, and then what happens in 2 Samuel? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Sin. And we sit over and over waiting for this one to come, and then finally he does. But unlike a king of today that, that is born in a palace, we see that he is born in a manger, that the first word that he is born doesn't go to the king, but instead goes to shepherds. Because salvation is not something that is for the high and mighty. It is for all, including those who are downtrodden. Do you feel downtrodden today? We see that he lives this perfect life that we are called to live. We see he dies the death that should be ours. And yet three days later, he rises from the grave, thus defeating death and defeating sin. And he calls us to take upon this salvation that he has made way for, to take a part of his sacrifice. But that's not it. Because we also see that promise that he himself will restore this created order back to the way it should be. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And then the last verse, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. As we go into the year 2023, let us remember that we are called to share a gospel, that it is trustworthy, that we must continue in living out this gospel. And finally, we are secure because he who proclaimed it is trustworthy. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We praise you for your word. Lord, we praise you knowing what the end is going to be, that, Lord, that this work that we do that is hard, that, Father, it is worth it. And that, Lord, at the end of this life, we have looking forward to us an eternity of rejoicing, an eternity of blessing, an eternity of peace, an eternity without sin. Father, I pray as we go into this year that, Father, this would be a year in which we spring forth in the gospel. We tell everyone, we do not hinder. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to a time of invitation. This is our opportunity to respond to the word. And so Sarah is going to, Sarah and Miss Kathy are going to play a passage. If, 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 if you would like to take this time and reckon with what God will have for you this year, Take that time and do so, whether it be at your seat, whether it be up here. If you have something to confess, I, I, I pray that you would confess it. Let this be a time of rejoicing because we know in the end, we no longer have to worry about anything that we're currently worrying about. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. 
You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com. <laughs>